Am I good enough to lift the dirt off our cleats? Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot, moron! Scab eater, butt sniffer, pus licker, fart smeller! <laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek! You make your weed with your mama's toe jam! Yeah! You bought grapples in the toilet, and you like it! You play ball like a girl! How y'all doing? My name is Buck Davidson, and I would like to welcome you to the Sunday Night Sandlot. Sunday Night Sandlot is brought to you by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. And I would like to say that we hope that this will be an entertaining and informative 90 minutes of fantasy baseball news and analysis. Spring training is, of course, well underway. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, and tonight we're hoping to give you some tips that will help you as you finalize your draft preparations. Today's show is a sleeper spectacular. We're going to be talking fantasy baseball sleepers and busts. We'll offer our insight on some players who we believe stand a good chance of either outperforming or underperforming their current average draft position. We'll also talk a little bit about some ways to spot a bargain when it comes your way and how to recognize a potential bust in the making. All in the name, of course, of doing everything we can do to help you dominate your fantasy baseball league this season. That sound like a good time to you? I think so, too. Pull up a chair, and let's talk some baseball. Well, I keep saying we're going to do this and we're going to do that, so I guess it's time to introduce my counterpart here in the cyber studio. He is the co-founder of SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. He's a veteran of the fantasy sports industry and has been playing fantasy baseball for over 20 years. His work has been seen on RotoExperts.com, SI.com, Yahoo, USAToday.com, and also in the pages of various fantasy magazines. He's currently also in charge of aggregation efforts at the Fantasy Sports Network and represents them in the Labor Mixed Experts League. I may also add that he is quite probably in the best shape of his career and added 20 pounds of what is almost certainly muscle over the winter. Please say hello to the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson. How you doing today, Doug? Oh, Buck, it's awesome to be talking about real baseball, and I do have to add that I did have laser surgery, so I really think I'm going to be seeing the ball better than I ever have. Oh, fantastic. That's, this is the time of year for that kind of thing. Uh, best shape of your career. That, that, that always seemed relative to me. You know, it's, uh, I'm in the best shape of my career, but I report in pretty crummy shape every year. So it's, I mean, what's the, what's the value in that? You know, I was only 30 pounds overweight last year. I'm 25 pounds overweight this year, but, uh, uh, how you doing? What's uh, what's going on? Obviously spring training, uh, well underway here in Florida. Have you, have you gotten out to any games yet? Uh, no, actually, I'll get out to my first spring training game today, get to see the uh, Blue Jays play Team Canada, something along those lines. So excited to see how multiple numbers we can have and uh, see some of these Team Canada games. Yeah, well, fantastic. It's, uh, it's nothing like getting out and actually seeing uh, a game. You know, I know that there's um, – and watching it on TV is, is great and all, but uh, actually being out there and getting the sights and the sounds and the smells, there's uh, there's really nothing like it. So it's a uh, it's it's really a great experience. So uh, good luck. Talk uh, talk a little bit about so-calledfantasyexperts.com. Now you were one of the co-founders over there. Tell us a little bit about what uh, what you're trying to do with with SCFE and maybe some of the philosophies and the people that are involved in it. Well, over the years, David Ganos and I had 
kept bumping into each other. He he had been at Open Sports, and then he came to Roto Experts, and I was there. Uh, after that, we both ended up at DFS Edge. It was a site dedicated to daily fantasy baseball and football analysis. And then we've kept on trying to do some of the same things. So at one point, we're like, why don't we do something together? Both of us have kind of made it a habit of helping out newer writers onto the fantasy scene. So the main idea that started so-called fantasy experts was to give a place for aspiring writers who wanted to break into the fantasy industry a place to go. I've added some experienced veterans like yourself, but the idea is still there, that we want to give people a voice that want to show what they can do in the fantasy world. Yeah, there's quite a wide diversity of writers there. Can you give us an idea, maybe a couple of the people that are involved? You mentioned uh, you mentioned David. Um, who, who else is, is there that uh, some of the folks might know? Well, I think oh, David brought a couple guys over from com. Devin Jordan, Chris Myers. Those guys have built themselves a pretty good name in the industry, but they're really doing incredible things. We've got some new writers slash radio people like Travis Pastore. We've got some great football people coming over. So I think what you'll find is that you're not going to see a repetition of the same stuff you see on other sites. It's a new look. It's a new way to you know kind of view fantasy. So I, I think the freshness is what you're going to notice first. Right, and you, it, what's really nice about having a variety of writers involved is that you don't get what I call groupthink. In other words, if, if you have people that maybe see each other every day and they can talk about uh, a favorite sleeper, say, that they have, and, and you get kind of everybody's opinion starts to move toward the center on a player, a lot of times these are these are folks who really don't have any contact with one another other than you know over the email or whatever. So I think that the opinions that are expressed on that site and some of the insight is is very, I guess, unfiltered is the best uh, the best word for it, and you get a really good objective opinion of, uh, of of a particular issue, topic, or player. You think I'm I'm off base on that? Not at all. I think when when David developed the name so-called fantasy experts, it was kind of with that in mind. We realized that, you know, I have a hometown league, an 18-team league from my hometown, home area, and I always joke with them that they know just as much baseball as I do, but they just can't spell longer than four-letter words. So there's a lot of <laughs> fantasy experts out there. Uh, right. We just get the opportunity to put it in writing and share that. And sometimes, you know, we have our email advice. I honestly like like to think of it as more of sharing opinions because – there are a lot of knowledgeable fantasy baseball people out there. We want to give them a voice. Yeah, and you said uh, you said fantasy baseball, and of course we're talking about fantasy baseball, but so-called fantasy experts is not just about baseball. It covers uh, several other sports. I've, I've seen a couple of articles up there about some of the big developments that have gone on in free agency in the NFL and the upcoming draft coverage, such like that. What's the future look like? Is it going to become all four major sports, or are we going to focus on mostly baseball and football? Well, I think right now we're going to stick with mostly the baseball and football, but as we find riders for hockey, for basketball, you know, we want to present top-notch content in those areas, but I don't think you want to reach for that until you have the people in place to do it right. 
yeah, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting site. If y'all have never checked it out, socalledfantasyexperts.com. It's a very diverse site. And as I say, the, the content is updated. What are y'all doing now? Doug? Like three or four articles a day and the, the fresh opinions and the, 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 some of the different insight that comes into that site is really kind of exciting to read. And one of the things that's up there right now is the Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. Pretty comprehensive guide. And, Doug, if uh, we're going to be talking uh, sleepers and busts, of course, but maybe can you talk a little bit about some of the other things that are in the fantasy base, so-called fantasy experts right now? Well, I think what we've tried to do is not just repeat everything that you see on every site. So every site's got rankings. They have rankings, you know, the sleepers, the bust. Obviously, if those are almost things you have to do as a fantasy site. But what we've tried to do more than that is look at areas where maybe you don't see content every day. Uh, you know, more draft tips, strategy about how to run a draft or strategy about how to, to fill a roster rather than just suggestions on which players. So I think what we want to do is everybody does player analysis, and we're going to do our share. But what we want to look at the game of fantasy, in addition to the players that we use, and try to attack it from that perspective more than most other sites do. Yeah, so the site is socalledfantasyexperts.com. And, uh, again, if get by there and check it out because the content is really good. A lot of external links, too, to some other, some other site rankings and the uh, expert composite rankings at uh, Fantasy Pros is one of the primary things that you can access from there. Also, a really cool little mock draft tool that, again, uh, from Fantasy Pros, it's, it actually lets you put yourself in any draft position, and then it um, – now, Doug, help me out with this. It, it actually will run the draft based on the ADPs or the expert consensus rankings. So you can do um, – and then it will come back to you and let you pick whomever you want. So you can do a mock draft in, what, 10, 15 minutes, right? Yeah, it's really an awesome tool. If you use the, the version on our site, you pick your slot uh, – from there, you know, it goes through the computer selections, which are based, on, as you said, on the expert consensus rankings at Fantasy Pros. So you can try out different things, you know. And in one of my recent articles, I wanted to see what would happen if I used my first 14 picks to go with offense. Could I build a competitive pitching staff with that? And, you know, it's up for debate, but you can try things like that out against valid rankings. I know I like mock drafts. But sometimes people quit in the middle of mock drafts, and it kind of ruins any value you can get out of them. You're going to get value throughout the whole mock draft with this tool. Yeah, it's it's really an interesting tool. And the first couple times I used it, I said, oh, okay. But then it, when you learn a little bit about it and you start to see the value in it, you you understand that these are the players that are probably going to be there in round, say, six and seven if you're drafting at the wheel. These are the players that are going to be there. If you pass on player X, will player X still be there in rounds eight and nine? Or who else will I have to choose from if I pass on that player? So it gives you a really, really good idea of how the draft unfolds and maybe tells you, you know, where you can wait and maybe 
especially again, if you're drafting at the wheel, you might have to reach around a round and a half on a player if you really, really like that player. So uh, it's uh, it's really a, an interesting tool. And um, folks, I want to remind you, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder, the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson. Tonight, we are going to be talking sleepers and busts. And now, now Doug, SCFE has a whole section on sleepers and a whole section on busts. But today's world, it's sleepers are not what sleepers used to be. It used to be sleepers were... Uh, only you knew about them, or maybe if, if it was somebody uh, on, on your hometown team, you might know an awful lot about them. But when it was just newspapers and the Internet wasn't out there, sleepers were a lot easier to come by. But today there's so much information. Is there really such a thing as a sleeper anymore? Well, you know, we've talked about this before. You and I know, and I think most everybody can agree, that the traditional sleeper is no more. And when you're running a website, you have to be a little bit of a slave to search engine optimization. People search for sleepers. So whatever our definition is, and everybody seems to have a different definition, we use the term sleepers. I think we know it's all about does that do we expect that player to give us more value than it costs to get to acquire them at your, your draft or your auction. So when we're talking sleepers, what we're talking about is profit. Are you going to profit from that player? Yeah, what you pay versus what you get. And sometimes you can look at a player and say, well, he may be, and we're going to actually talk about a couple of those in a little bit. He's not technically a bust, but if you draft him based on what you think he will do because of what he did last year, you're probably going to be disappointed. So it's more of an undervalued, overvalued kind of a thing than um, than a true sleeper. Uh, we, we are going to talk about a couple of players later that I think are true sleepers just because they're so far down the board or maybe buried on the depth chart that unless you follow the team closely, you might know about them. But other than that, uh, any more information is so much so easy to come by. I don't think sleeper really exists anymore. But um, so we are going to. What do you think? Do you want to go? You want to go position by position with this, and just maybe talk to start a catcher and talk sleeper and bust. Is that the way we want to do this? Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to do it. You know, share some of our optimism and then then take it to the darker side. <laughs> take it to the darker side. Yeah, and uh, I wrote a couple of the uh, the bust articles and a couple of the sleeper articles, and there there were some that, as I started to look, it kind of surprised me. I was I was thinking, well, I don't think this guy is really that big of a of a of a potential bust. But then you look at some of the again the information access these days. You look at some of the advanced analytics, and you say this guy maybe shouldn't have done that this year. So we're going to talk about those as we get to them. But let's talk. Let's start off and let's talk about catcher, uh, Doug. Who you got for a sleeper behind the plate? I got two. I got one that I think is getting a lot of sleeper love. And one thing we know is that when every site that people go to lists a player as a sleeper, sometimes that means he's not. But he's. But this player is still being drafted late enough that I think he can offer value. I like Yasmani Grandal for the Dodgers, moving over some from San Diego. He was at one time a top-catching prospect, but things went wrong, a little PED suspension. But we saw the power return last year, and I think the change in venue, Dodger Stadium is not a hitter's park, 
But I think the change in atmosphere is going to help Grandal, and I think you're going to see close to 20 home runs. And his minor league history suggests that he could hit above 250, which if you look at his career so far, that's going to be a good thing. So if you're looking at 20 home runs, a 250 to 260 average from your catcher, I think you're doing pretty well. Yeah, and Grandal is he's pretty far down the board. I see him at 235. So this is a guy that you can it's uh, ADP. So this is a guy that you can get late that uh, you, you think has a pretty good chance of returning returning a, a fair amount of value for the investment, right? I do. I think you're going to, you know, catcher is a lot deeper than people think this year. Yes, you've got your top 2 in Posey, Buster Posey, and Jonathan LaCroix. But there are some pretty good bats. So I think you can wait on catcher, and you can get a Grandal or some other players later. In fact, my second sleeper, I don't think I've seen anybody talk about him at all. But he's got the starting job in Texas. And I think he could do some of the things that catchers that are getting drafted as the number 12, number 13 catcher off the board could do. Robinson Chirinos. He's not going to hit for average, but last year he hit 13 home runs in 300 at-bats. He's looking like he's going to get 400 some at bats this year. You're going to get double-digit power. The RBIs, you know, if he gets you 60, you're not going to have to reach for him. You can probably get him in the reserve rounds. To me, wait on catcher and get something like that that's going to fill up most of the same numbers that the catchers that people drafted in the 18th round are going to do. Yeah, unless you're in a deep two-catcher league, there is an awful lot of talent out there. And in the middle, the middle lower tiers of catchers, there are some very nice potential bargains out there. And I'm going to talk about one of them right now, which is Travis Darno. And Darno, everybody looks at Darno, and he's a little bit of a post-hype sleeper. He, he hit 242 last year, and everybody looks at that and goes, uh, I don't know look a little bit deeper into it. His batting average on balls in play, BABIP, was 259. That's low. So it suggests that there is a fairly significant amount of upside to that 242 average. He's not somebody that's going to hit 300, but you look at his second half, 265, seven homers, 30 runs batted in, in 59 games. Do a little bit of extrapolation. You're looking at 15, 16 home runs and in the neighborhood of 70 RBIs. That will play as a low-end catcher or as a number two catcher in just about every fantasy league. And the price that you pay to get him is pretty darn good. And when you can get somebody that late and fill your roster up earlier with, with top talent, that's a tremendous bargain. So you're right. I love catching depth this year I, I really don't feel the need unless a tremendous bargain falls to me I don't feel the need to to reach for somebody like Buster Posey or Jonathan Lucroy because there's just no there's no reason to the, one thing, uh, the, the Buck, talent is just too deep go ahead and one thing Buck you mentioned about a second half you know second half stats aren't always a good predictor of future success but I like to look at was there a change was something different that caused a second half change. And in this case, Darno got sent down to the minor leagues and the, the Mets worked with him on becoming more aggressive in his approach. So when he came back, you saw a distinct change in his approach and you can look at the advanced stats and, and it's visible. So you've got this change. You've got the pedigree of him being a top prospect. You know, 
I see a reason for that improvement. I think if there's one catcher that could break into that top tier of, of Posey and LaCroix, I think Darno is the guy that could do that. I'm not projecting it this year, but he's got that type of talent. Right, and pedigree isn't everything, but it certainly can play into it. And I always I like the saying, players that come out of nowhere tend to head back there in a hurry. And they, unless there was some type of a significant change, a, a, a pitcher added another pitch, changed his windup, uh, what, what have you, or in, in the case of Darno, uh, a change in approach. These are things that if you are willing to sit and do the research and learn about why this change may make a difference, these are the things that can really pay dividends because you'll know, hey, I can wait, and Darno is probably going to be just as good as the guys from about 8 to 12 on the board, and I'm going to get him for a very late-round pick. So it's one of those things where, where information is key, and doing a little bit of research can pay some big, big rewards. Got another guy. Now, this, this is a pretty deep sleeper but he is somebody that you really need to have on your radar screen, especially if you're in an NL-only league or one of those deeper mixed two-catcher formats. Peter O'Brien, the starting Arizona catcher right now is Tuffy Gosowich. O'Brien's bat has always been unquestionable. Guy hit 24 home runs in 76 games at A. Tremendous power. The question has been, can he play catcher at the major league level? All the talk you're hearing out of spring training camp right now is, yes, he looks fine back there. So is he going to make the team out of spring training? Uh, Tough call, 50-50. But he is somebody that if he doesn't make the team, you need to have him on your radar screen. Arizona does not project to be a very good team this year, and they are probably going to be going with a youth movement sooner rather than later. So watch the old arbitration clock. And he is somebody who could be in the major leagues. And, again, the bat is unquestioned. There's never been a question about whether or not he uh, he has a, a good power bat. Not going to hit for a high average and is going to strike out an awful lot. But 24 homers in 76 games? Doug, what do you think about O'Brien? You, you've got any experience with him? Well, I think when you're talking about these deep sleepers, you know, one of the things you have to look at is opportunity. And I had the opportunity to see Tuffy Ghostwitch when he came here through uh, Clearwater. And I I, I think the strength of Tuffy Ghostwitch is that someday he's going to probably make an excellent major league manager because the bat (laughs) is not going to do it. So at best, he's a backup major league catcher. So the opportunity is there. And at catcher, if you can get a 20-plus home run type potential, I agree. I think it's worth a shot, especially if you're sitting in an NL-only league. I'd rather have a potential bat like O'Brien rather than draft a backup catcher or a toughy ghost witch who might get 300 at-bats and hurt your team. Yeah, and don't sell that concept short either. If a, a catcher is hitting, and I'll, I'll use a guy who does have a ton of powers, Mike Zunino. He hit, what he hit last year, 199. And if you spread that over 350 to 400 at-bats, that's a huge drag on your batting average in, from a team concept. So don't overlook that. The, the catcher, even though the power may not be great, the RBIs may not be great, if that catcher's out there hitting 260, 265, that's a plus. So catchers, are they can be a little tricky, and sometimes you have to mix and match a little bit to get your stats. But they're... Um, they're they, they can they can really help you and they can really hurt you. One more guy I want to talk about. He's not for this year, 
but he's somebody that I saw out in Arizona. And uh, I have just a little background here. There is a, uh, a little seminar, conference, symposium in Arizona every year called First Pitch Arizona. It's put on by Baseball HQ and is an opportunity to watch the Arizona Fall League prospects. And it is a quite a, a wonderful time. And if, if you've never had the opportunity to go out there, it's, it's, the price is pretty darn reasonable. About, about June 1st is when they start um, uh, offering the, uh, the packages to go out there. But it's, it's a great opportunity to, to go out there and see some of these prospects. And one of the prospects I saw this year was a kid from the Rays named Justin O'Connor. Uh, Doug, a throwing arm, it, it just incredible arm this, this young man has. And another guy that uh, an awful lot of power but swings and misses a lot. So Justin O'Connor is a guy the Rays have never really had a top-notch catcher. But O'Connor is probably as close as anybody has been. Have you, Doug, have you seen this guy play, and can you, can you share anything about Justin O'Connor? I, I haven't seen him play, and I do like to see a player play before I give too much of an evaluation. But again, you're talking about opportunity, and while Rene, Rene Rivera had a nice little uh, career year as far as home runs goes, I think he's still a defensive-minded catcher. So, And the way the Rays work, there's an opportunity for a second catcher to have some fantasy value. They're going to play two catchers, especially if O'Connor, O'Connor has solid defense. So I think the opportunity is there. Can he translate that power to the major leagues? It remains to be seen. But again, in two-catcher AL-only leagues, you're looking for someone who won't hurt you as your second catcher a lot of the time. So if you can find somebody who can throw you, you know, double-digit home runs, I think you found a value. A brilliant segue, Mr. Anderson, because we're going to talk about Rene Rivera right now. We're going to talk about Rene Rivera in terms of fantasy bust. He's uh, kind of at the top of my list. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you can change my mind on him, but I'm not buying. He's 31 years old, four home runs in his first 101 major league games, then he turns around and hits 11 in 103 games last year. He's a career 228 hitter. Am, am I to believe that all of a sudden he turned things around and he's turned into this double-digit home run guy, or was that just a uh, just just kind of a, a short run of success that should not be indicator of future performance? Let's just say that I think the Rays got Rivera more for his pitch framing and defensive skills. Anything he gives them as far as offense is just icing, you know. You're t- like you say, 31 years old. This isn't some young catcher who who suddenly you know discovered things and learned how to hit the breaking ball. We're talking about a career backup minor leaguer sent back and forth. If you get 10 home runs this year, be happy. I don't know that I want to risk the batting average for a player that's unproven like Rivera. So I'm staying away. Maybe he somehow finds a way to give you value. But you look at the career numbers, and I'm I'm kind of on your side with Rivera there, Buck. Anybody else that's on your uh, your your uh, your sleeper, your bust list for catching? Well, I'm going to offend a lot of people here because remember when we're talking about bust, we're talking about a bust is a player that doesn't deliver what you paid for. And Devin Mesoraco, incredible breakout year last year. I can't argue with the power. The kid's got real power. He's going to probably hit 20 home runs. But if you look at his career numbers and you look at that batting average in the second half, he hit over 300 in the first of half of last year. But in the second half, he hit 237. That's what you can expect. So if you are drafting a catcher who's going to hit 
240, 230, but have 20 home runs, then pay for that. But that's not what you're going to have to pay to get Mesoraka. He seems to be everybody's darling. And I, I think a lot of fantasy owners are in for a, you know, a, a bad time with Mesoraka. So he's just that young it player at catcher right now that everybody likes. And I think they're going to be disappointed. And again, as we talked about just a few minutes ago, catching is pretty darn deep. So no reason at all to go reaching for somebody, especially in a one-catcher league. Two-catcher league, maybe you can justify it a little bit. But in a single-catcher format, I don't see any reason at all to go um, get too far too far afield with chasing a, a particular name or other. Folks, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio, sponsored by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson. We are talking sleepers and busts. We have covered catcher. It is on to first base. Now, first base, Doug, typically everybody thinks, oh, this is a big power position. You can get, get somebody really late that's going to be great. No reason to, to, to reach. Not really so much the case anymore. What, what, do you, what do you know about first base? Well, it, it is filled with some pretty good hitters. But honestly, the elite hitters, you know, we're used to seeing 40-plus home runs last year or the last three years, offense is down. So we kind of have to readjust our our levels for what we consider elite production. So there are some real nice bats, but the questions start pretty early in the rankings this year. And I I think it's very important that you get a, a bat that you're comfortable with. And once you if you have a league that has uh, first base position and the third and corner, then you're going to find out it's not as deep as you think. No, and as you alluded to, when you're in that format where there's uh, five outfielders, it's typically known as the NFBC format, National Fantasy Baseball Championship, you have not only a first baseman, a third baseman, but also a corner infielder and five outfielders. Yeah, the bats dry up pretty quickly. But in insofar as first base, there are some guys that I think you, you can call them breakouts, call them undervalued, call them sleepers, whatever. Doug, who's the top of your list for that one? Well, I think – you're talking about power and the power outage that's in Major League Baseball right now. There's a player that is getting drafted. He's at 109 on the ADP for Fantasy Pros consensus. That's what you're talking about, what, that ninth, tenth round, you know, almost the tenth round. Mark Trumbo. There's no player in baseball that I feel like is more of a lock for 30 home runs if he feels if he stays healthy than Mark Trumbo. Yeah, the batting average might be 250 or below. But in Arizona, in that ballpark, I like Mark Trumbo. You can get him cheap, and when you're talking about power disappearing, he's one of the best that you can get later on that I think can deliver for you. A lot of it comes down, again, to cost versus return. And in that that case, that's a, a good example of somebody that, yeah, you can just about pencil him in for, for a bunch of home runs and you're not going to pay a ridiculous price. And now along that same line, a couple guys here. Uh, I'm going to go kind of kind of shallow and kind of deep. The real shallow guy is Prince Fielder. Please don't let him fall too far. It, 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 the guy looks like he can still hit. He's healthy. He was one of the most consistent uh, as far as games played players before he was injured last year. 
So do not let him fall too far. His current ADP is uh, sitting, I believe, about 80-something. That's that's not – just don't let him get too far, uh, too far down the list. Actually, I just looked at 61. Don't let him get into the middle rounds before you grab him because I think Prince is going to be just fine this year. So don't uh, don't let him get far down the board. A, a, a hitter who is a little farther down the board that I think is going to maybe be a top top twelve, top ten first baseman this year, San Francisco Giants Brandon Belt. Here is a guy that has had some injury problems. Uh, was was a huge prospect coming out back in uh, 2010. Was uh, 22 years old and just put up a ridiculous line in the minor leagues. Hit like 352, 23 homers, 112 runs batted in. And then surprisingly wins a job with the major league team the following spring. So the the pedigree, and he, he struggled a little bit, had some injury problems, but when he has been healthy, he has shown that he has a still a really really good bat. And last year was was hit by a pitch, uh, had a broken thumb, but still he had 29 home runs, or I'm sorry, he had 12 home runs last year. You extrapolated out. To 150 games, you're looking at 29 home runs. So the the potential for 25 plus home runs, batting average around 275, 85, 90 RBIs. You know, remember San Francisco lost a lot of players, so there is going to be some there's going to be some at bats, or I'm sorry, some RBIs sitting out there for the taking. And I think Brandon Belt is in a position if he stays healthy, he is in a position to really have a breakout season. And his, uh, his current ADP is uh, pretty far down the board. He is at 199. And that's, uh, that's of course, that's getting close to reserve territory. So here's a guy that you don't have to pick up as your starting first baseman, but by the end of the year could very well be performing like your starting first baseman. Any, uh, any thoughts on, on Belt, Doug? Well, I had the chance to interview Belt. I think it was at 2010 Arizona Fall League. And first off, great kid. I really like him, and I, I hope that he can break out. And I agree he has that type of ability, and he's having a great spring. One thing that concerns me with Belt is the counting stats. Because Buster Posey, the Giants want to get his bat in the lineup more than when he's just catching. So I think he's going to see a lot of time at first base that's going to steal some of the RBIs, the runs scored from Belt. Belt hits left-handers pretty well, but I think the Giants are going to use that as an opportunity to get Buster Posey more at bats. So I like Belt. I think he a, a, a breakout of some sort is coming. I just don't know that the high ceiling is there just because of the limited at bats. If he gets off to a nice start like he has this spring and shows the power that he showed last year, it's possible, but I do worry about the at bats. Yep. And further, even further down the draft board, we find uh, the big man from Minnesota, Kenneth Vargas. This is a fellow that may not be drafted in some leagues. His current ADP is sitting at 297, but some tremendous power potential. Uh, 53 games in the majors last year, nine home runs, 38 RBI, hit 278. Uh, that that maybe a little bit of a lofty expectation for this year, but uh, over the last two minor league seasons, 156 RBIs in 222 games and 36 home runs. Going to be the Twins' everyday DH. Um, 
first base, he may or may not be eligible. So that's something to check before you set up your draft board. He played 13 games last year. So there are some formats where he would be eligible at first, some formats where he would not. But Vargas is a guy, if you're in a deeper league, grab him late, stash him, because the, the, the power potential he brings to the, uh, to the table is, uh, is really exceptional. What, what do you think on uh, Vargas, Doug? Yeah, I think you know one of the things we've talked about is that lack of power. There are some hitters you can get late that have that power. They usually come with a low batting average, and I think Vargas is a case. But if you can get 25 home runs, which I think Vargas is capable of, then you're doing pretty well. I want to throw another young hitter that nobody's really talking about, but Josh Hamilton's injury and possible suspension gives this guy an opportunity. C.J. Crone, I think he's got... Almost the same power potential, maybe not quite as immense power as Vargas, but Crone has that type of power with Matt Joyce moving to the outfield, likely to fill in for uh, Josh Hamilton. I like Crone, and if he gets off to a good start this year, I don't know if the, the Angels are so quick to go back to Josh Hamilton. Right, and something with, with Matt Joyce, because when Joyce showed up, Crone was, was kind of on everybody's radar screens, and then he bumped down a little bit. Joyce really struggles against left-handed pitching. I think he hit 147 last year, and he's only about 189 over his career. Cron, on the other hand, does not have a real big split differential. He's 255 against righties and 258 against lefties last year. And he's sitting there as the number one guy if Albert Pujols were to be hurt or if they just want to give Albert a day off. So, yeah, I agree with you on Cron. He's a guy that, like Vargas, you can target late, and just keep him around just in case. If the breakout comes, I think there's a very real possibility you could see 28 to 30 home runs given a full season's worth of at-bats. So uh, an, an excellent uh, excellent late-round target there. What about bust, Doug? Who you got at first base? Well, I think my first bust is more a matter of perception than than projection. Carlos Santana, he's got that elite, reputation but a lot of it is tied to being catcher eligible he's not catcher eligible anymore you can use him at third in most formats but he's not catcher eligible so i I think he really falls down the rankings because there's no position scarcity really in place with him so you're just getting another you know another player who could hit 25 to 30 home runs but you're you're still getting that 240 to 250 batting average so it's more about perception when you're drafting carlos (laughs) santana just realize what you're getting. You're not getting a catcher who can do that. You're getting a, a corner infielder or first, third base. Right. And, again, check your league settings. Just like with Vargas, if Santana is eligible or a catcher, bump, him, bump his value up. But, as you say, as a, uh, as a corner infielder, uh, okay, it's not, not nearly the, the same value. But uh, I'm uh, I'm – for my bust, I'm looking at somebody It's not so much about the player, it's about the people around the player, and that, of course, is Freddie Freeman in Atlanta. Great hitter, love Freddie Freeman a lot, but with the Braves uh, trading away an awful lot of their talent, you just don't have the, the lineup support. And I think Freddie probably going to have a really nice OBP this year, but I can imagine a lot of teams pitching around him when there's situations with, with Met on base. So uh, I'm staying away from Freeman just for that reason. His ADP is 33 right now. And 
I, I just, I, it's not that I don't like Freddie. I just don't think that he's going to get the RBI opportunities that he did last year with less of a supporting cast in, in Atlanta. What do you think, Doug? Am I off my base on that one? Uh, not at all. I'd like to disagree some, but honestly, I don't, I don't get the big infatuation with Freddie Freeman. Obviously, he's a very good major league hitter, but he's a lot closer to Mark Grace than he is Mark McGuire. You're not you're talking about 15 home runs maybe most likely. And then you take into account that lineup that you're talking about and I just don't see there there's no ceiling. It's all floor. You're going to get a good hitter, but we're not talking elite in any category. His average isn't typically, you know, in the 300 range, a little lower than that. So, I just don't see that high of a ceiling. So, that kind of player should be in the in the fifth or sixth round, not where he's being drafted. Folks, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio, sponsored by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with the Roto Daddy himself, Doug Anderson. Tonight we are talking sleepers and busts. We have made it through catcher and first base. On to second base we go. Doug, who do you have for a sleeper at the Keystone Sack? Well, one of the things I love about how sleepers and busts go is it's all related to what you see on the websites. Coming into the year, a lot of people would have had Javier Baez as a bust. And there's good reason. He struck out a ton last year. You're probably looking at a bad batting average. But I think so much has been made out of how much he struck out last year. I think you've got an opportunity for some value here. You know, early spring results... He's not on fire, but he's only struck out in 25% of the bats. Now, that's not real great, but a huge improvement over what he did last year. And he's he's falling way down drafts lately. You know, we've got Chris Bryant and Jorge Soler and these other rookies that people are all excited about. Nobody's excited about Javier Baez anymore. And maybe there's a reason. I, I don't think I can go out and project him to hit 30 home runs or hit 250-plus, but he could do that. And at the at where he's getting drafted, and he's shortstop eligible, I like. I think you can take a risk at that point, and it could pay off big. Nobody's projecting it, but you can't deny that he's got that kind of potential. So I think this is a case where we went from from bust, and all of the groupthink, as you put it, has turned him into somewhere where I think there's a little bit of value to be had. Yeah, it's all about what you're going to pay. And the highlight reels on Javier Baez are very impressive. This young man has exceptional power. But, of course, he swings and misses at an historic rate. And I'm probably going to be talking about Baez when we get around to shortstops. <laughs> but you're right. And it's it all, it all weighs against what you are paying for the player and if the value is right and you can absorb what will probably be a pretty good batting average hit go ahead and roll the die on uh, on, on Javier Baez because it, just in case he strikes out at 25-28% yeah he probably has a chance to elevate that average a little bit but uh, be be very very careful on this one because he, he does have that ability to swing and miss like very few others uh, my sleeper for second base, got a couple of them, and the, the higher-level sleeper is Colton Wong from St. Louis, a uh, guy who came up last year, made the team out of camp, pretty much struggled, made a couple of trips back to the minors. When he came back up in July, everything seemed to click into place. He, he absolutely tore it up when they sent him down to AAA. I think he hit 360 
when he was at AAA last year. 305 career minor league average, so he knows how to hit. What he also knows how to do is steal bases. Stole 20 bases last year in only 113 games and hit 12 home runs. A little more extrapolation, and we're looking at 16 homers, 27 steals over 155 games. That for a guy that you're going to get at ADP about number 119 right now. Is he for real? Was July 6th to the end of the season what we're going to see from Colton Wong going forward? I think so. If you don't think so, don't take this chance. But everything I saw with Colton Wong, it looked like he belonged there. From the time he came back on July 6th until the end of the season, he took his batting average up 21 points. Um, He was seventh in home runs among second basemen with at least 400 plate appearances. He was sixth in stolen bases, again, only playing 113 games. This is a guy that could be in the top four or five rounds next year if what we saw in the second half was for real. I think it was. Other guy that I like is farther down the list, and we've talked a couple times about opportunity, Rofned Odor in Texas. Jerickson Profire was all the rage of, uh, a couple years ago. Everybody was just waiting for Jerickson Profire because he was going to be the next big thing. He may still be injured again, out for the entire season. Ronette Odor played last year the, the entire season as a 20-year-old at the major league level. That's that's quite remarkable in and of itself, but he really didn't look like he was overmatched. He had a, a, a pretty decent season given uh, you know, given the circumstances. He could. I, I don't think you're going to see a real high average from him, but he has shown a power-speed combination that we really can't ignore as the draft starts to wind down. I, I, 260 is about my ceiling for Odor. But I think 15 homers and 15 steals is also in play. And for a guy that you're going to get in the last couple of rounds of your draft, that's absolutely worth taking a flyer on. Uh, what do you think, Doug? Well, I, I think what you're looking for, you're drafting you know, that late in the draft. Rather than draft an Asdrubal Cabrera, who you know he's going to do pretty much, players like that with this mediocre ho-hum you know, outlook, why not give yourself a chance for a true breakout Odor, also, one, one thing I did like is that as the season went on, his second half numbers, the power went up. You know, he showed a progression. He wasn't that successful on the basis, but the speed is there. So my thinking is that if you've waited that long and you're looking at a bunch of mediocrity, why not give yourself a chance for those, you know, for a breakout type player? Yeah, and it comes down again to to value. If if he's in as your third middle infielder or your backup second baseman, your your downside is virtually nil. And if he turns out to be that fifteen fifteen two sixty guy, you look like an absolute genius. And you know, as as fantasy baseball journalists, the more people we can make look like geniuses, uh, you know, I think the better. And there is a real opportunity to look pretty brilliant with this guy. I want to throw one more guy out to you, Doug, before I kick it over to you. And that's going to go even farther down the list. He is in a competition right now in Chicago. And Micah Johnson, uh, having a good spring, 2013, across three levels of the minors, this guy stole 84 bases. The White Sox could use another source of speed in that lineup. Now, he's got a couple of guys that he's battling with there at second base and veterans. So, he may or may not make it out of camp, but the speed that he could bring to the table, good contact guy, uh, 294 
uh, at double A AA and triple A last year. I, I, I don't know that I would draft him in all, but the deepest leagues, but you really need to keep your eye on this guy because I think that the, that speed that he brings to the table is just, just too good to ignore. What do you think? Well, I think one of the things with, we've, we've talked a lot about the power being down. You would think that with power down, it would be a little easier to find stolen bases. But honestly, if you've done any mock drafting or had any of your drafts yet, stolen bases aren't really that easy to find either. So when you're talking about a player with that type of potential, I think, you know, even in a 12-team mixed league, if you've got any decently sized reserve round, I think Johnson makes a nice stash because you can't find 40-plus stolen base guys just lying around. And it looks like he can hit for a decent average, too. So you're not you're not talking about just a speed guy. He might help you a little bit in batting average. It's a good stash, I think. Yeah, it's a good stash. Who, uh, who else you got for sleepers at second base? Well, you know, it's Jed Giorco. Terrible last year in the first half, but the power is there. His minor league numbers say he can hit for a decent average. They've changed Petco a little bit. They've changed the Padres team a lot. That offense, I don't think it's going to be as strong as some people think, but there's no doubting the improvement in that offense. is going to have better hitters around him. He's going to have more opportunities for RBIs. And if you go by a second half last year, there's a little more upside than last year showed. So I like Giorco. One player, if you if you just wait till the very end that I do like, Brett Lowry, you know, last year the power was good and limited at bats. Injuries have been a problem. I don't like to move to Oakland, but if you've waited till very late in the draft and you're looking for a second-base eligible player, I think Lowry's a pretty safe option that's not going to hurt you, and there's still a little bit of upside left. Let me hop in on Lowry real quick because he's somebody that I was going to talk about when we get to third base, but I'm going to go ahead and take the opportunity to talk about him now because he's eligible in both places. Brett Lowry, owning Brett Lowry in fantasy baseball is like playing golf for 99% of the people out there. And here's what I mean. All right, you're coming down the fairway. Your, your, your scorecard has more snowmen than Christmas Wonderland on it, right? You're, just, you're, you're beating a ball all over the place. And you're sitting there 60 yards from the green at 18, and it's, you know, I don't know, your fifth shot on the par five or whatever, and you jar the thing from 60 yards out, right? All of a sudden, boom, the sun comes out. Golf is a wonderful game. The, the grass smells a little better. The, the, the sun's a little brighter. The birds are chirping a little louder. Everything's wonderful. And you go in the clubhouse, and it's like, I need to go get me a new set of clubs. It, it's, it, it, you can't walk away from Brett Lowry. It's just like golf. When <laughs> Brett Lowry is healthy, he keeps doing things that bring you back. And last year, 12 homers, 38 runs batted in, in 70 games, do that whole extrapolation thing again, and you see what this guy's potential is. Now, he's he struggled with oblique issues in the past. That's concerning. But when he is healthy and when he is not nearly often enough, he has shown that he can be an upper-tier middle infielder, third baseman. It's, it's just so tough to walk away from this guy, and I'm – I'm doing it again this year. He is somebody that I am promoting as a, a potential breakout. I think, so, uh, yeah, it, it's tough. I think the similarities it, you know, to Bryce Harper, not that I think Lowry can do the things that Bryce Harper may be able to do, but people have been overdrafting Harper ever since he came up to the major leagues. It's when does he move to a place in the draft that you're comfortable with? 
Harper is starting to slide down, but Brett Lowry, now we're talking about the very end of the end of a draft. So I'm a lot more comfortable taking Lowry there than throughout the rest of his career where he was everybody's sleeper or the next hot thing. So I'm comfortable with Lowry now. You're not really taking a risk. It's all about upside then. Right. Minimize risk, maximize reward. That's a lot of what most fantasy drafts boil down to. Who do you like in the bus department at second base? Oh, this one hurts because last year <laughs> I had him in every league, I think, and he was an obvious breakout candidate. But between where he's going in drafts, and we're talking about Anthony Rendon, mm-hmm. and current injury situations and his injury past, I'm a little scared to to draft him where I would need to draft him in, in order to get him. So I think there's a very big chance a lot of fantasy owners are going to dis, be disappointed. And I love the hitter. I like the player. you got to love the second base eligibility still. But he scares me with where he's getting drafted at. Right. And the knee injury, of course, is concerning because of the speed that it may or may not limit. No one seems concerned about it right now. Uh, so I'll just have to be concerned enough to, to cover everybody else. I'm quite concerned about it, and I'm watching it, of course, very, very closely, as should just about every fantasy owner that has a draft coming up, because when when healthy, when focused, when uh, he's at 100%, uh, Anthony Rendon is a, a, an elite player, and he is uh, he's certainly going to be that again, if again the the uh, the, the knee injury doesn't uh, doesn't take him away from the uh, the stolen base potential, or if it doesn't turn out to be more serious than um, than is has first been thought, my bust at second base is is a very high value guy, and but some of the internal um, sabermetrics kind of have me worried about him, and I'm talking about Jose Altuve. Tremendous year last year, of course. Um, it, my problem with Jose Altuve, he's a, he's a 30-plus stolen base guy, but he's not the guy that, that hit 341 last year. That average was inflated by a 360 BABIP, the second highest among qualifying hitters. He swings at just about everything. His walk rate was only 5.1, so the if, if he's not getting hit, he's probably not getting on base. The speed is real. I think he's probably going to hit close to 300 for years to come, but don't draft him expecting another average 330-plus. I I just don't think you're going to get it. So it's all about expectations and the price anybody's willing to pay. This is another player that, if the value is right, sure, get him. He's a great major league, solid major league player. But don't pay for the elite production that you saw last year. Doug, any thoughts? I I agree to a point in that you know we're talking about Altuve going in the early second round in a lot of cases but there were some changes in his batted ball approach that give me reason to think the batting average while maybe not 340 is pretty much for real what type of player would we expect to have a high batting average on balls and play you're talking about uh, I'd like to see a left-handed hitter but you're talking about a speedy middle infielder who hits ground balls and that that's Altuve it's a lot of ground balls a little bit of pop but so I think I don't I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 320 plus again. So if you're comfortable with with drafting pretty much a speed average guy that early, then I I, I say don't expect anything too much worse. 
I don't like to draft players as early as he's going. So I agree in, in, in theory of the draft, but I do think he's going to come close to repeating what he did last year. All right, folks, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder. They call him the Roto Daddy, Doug Anderson. Tonight we are talking fantasy baseball sleepers and busts. We have made it through catcher, first base, and second, so it is on to shortstop we go. Doug, tell me who you got for a sleeper at short. Well, we talked about some post-hype candidates. I think that's a good place to go at shortstop. Shortstop now is a position that earned its reputation of being thin. I'm not happy with the shortstop. So I've got I've got one guy that I think can can be a true breakout into that elite territory, and then I've got two guys that are just not getting drafted early enough. Xander Bogarts, okay? He was Mr. World, the best shortstop of all time when he got called up to Boston. Uh, at least that's what everybody thought. Uh, it's been pretty disappointing. The power hasn't been there. He hasn't hit for a real average. But we've seen things along the way, and that Boston lineup's going to be improved. I think if you draft him, you're giving yourself that chance for an elite player, and you didn't pay for it. So I like that. A um, little bit further, actually a lot further down the, the ADP, Alcides Escobar, nobody gives this guy any credit. In two of the last three years, he's hit over 280 with over 30 stolen bases. And we're talking about shortstop, where it's, it's incredibly thin. But he's still one of the last shortstops drafted in a 12-team mixed league. And I, I think you can wait. If you can grab him, you're, do, you're still doing okay. Finally, the last sleeper I got is probably more of a traditional sleeper. Chris Owings in Arizona. I, he didn't do anything exciting last year, but we saw a little bit of pop. I think for an NL-only league and maybe a reserve slot in a mixed league, Owings could break out and hit 270-ish with double-digit home runs, double-digit steals with upwards of 15 of each. So I think right there, Owings offers a little bit of value. I'm probably not starting him in my lineups, but I'm giving him a chance to break out on my bench, and hopefully he can be something that either I could trade or trade away another player to, to take advantage of his value. Yeah, and the, the guy I have, and what you were just saying about some of the uh, the 15-15 uh, potential, is actually it's a, it's a little odd because he is not eligible at shortstop yet, but he is penciled in to be the starting shortstop for the Oakland A's. And I'm talking about Marcus Samin. Played with the White Sox last year, had an opportunity to see him when they came down here and played the Rays. Very impressive-looking player. Triple-A last year, 267, 15 homers, 52 runs batted in, seven stolen bases probably not going to give you a very high batting average, but he does generate pretty good pop. He's, he's a big guy. He's 6'1", 195, has fairly decent speed, and we talked about opportunity on a couple of occasions during the show tonight. He is going to be the A's starting shortstop. So he's having a, a very big spring, and he's the kind of guy that, again, you can get him very, very late. He does not have to be your starting shortstop. But if he does what some can do and returns that, let's say, 12 to 15 home runs and 12 to 15 stolen bases, hits around 255, 260, you've gotten yourself a heck of a value for a minimal investment. Any thoughts on Samin? I'm a little surprised he's that far down the ADP list just because a lot of the drafts I've done in mocks, it seems like a lot of, a lot of people have reached for him. 
and he was kind of a little bit of a you know sleeper darling, as I like to put it. That player who starts out the spring as a sleeper and then gains gets so much attention that he might not be. So I'm a little surprised he's far, so far down the ADP. I'm not all that high on him. The ballpark isn't going to help. You know, Oakland is not well suited to right-handed power or well, somewhat power hitters. So it enough, I'm okay with it. But I, I just don't think there's much of a ceiling there. No, and it, it, there may not be. The ceiling is, you know, I, I'm not looking for this guy to hit 300 anytime soon, but if you can get that kind of return out of more well, of a minimal investment, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. The other thing with Samin is he is eligible at second base and third base right now. So he should carry that eligibility during the entire season. And somebody with that 12 to 15, 12 to 15, that you can plug in at a couple of different positions, is a very valuable fantasy asset, especially if your league is a little on the small side as far as rosters go. Now, for my busted shortstop, I already talked about him a little bit, and I'm going to disagree with you on Javier Baez. The home run potential is amazing. His strikeout rate last year was, was not of this earth, 41.5%, and he only walked 6.6% of the time. So he is up there swinging, and when he connects, special things happen. But I looked at AAA, 30% strikeout rate at AAA last year. He batted only 260 I, I like what I'm seeing but I, when he connects, but he just doesn't connect often enough for me. So, if again, it comes down to what you're going to pay for Javier Baez, but I, I'm, I'm pretty much willing to either pass on him and go with an Alcides Escobar or someone like that or go with a, a decent value earlier on with maybe a, a Jose Reyes or even a Ben Zobers, somebody like that who's a little bit more of a, of a proven stable commodity rather than rolling the dice on Baez. Uh, Doug, you're busted short. It's so funny that you said Jose Reyes, because I just don't understand how he's still <laughs> so high at the shortstop ranking. The the injury potential, the lack of power, how, how long is he going to run? Yeah, he stole 30 bases last year, but, you know, he, he's not – doesn't look to me like a 300 hitter anymore. He's going to hit for a solid average, but I, I just don't see the upside used to be incredible and it used to be worth the reach, but I don't think that upside is there anymore. We're not going to see more than 12 home runs, most likely. We're not going to see more than 30 stolen bases. So I just think it's reaching way too far. As far as Javier Baez, you know, I, I, I like the risk. One One thing that Baez has done is, each time he gets to a new level, he struggles, he figures it out, and the power is there. So it's a risk, no doubt, and I, I, a lot of people agree with you, and I can freely admit that he could be a huge bust, but I think the risk is there that to take. Yeah, another unintentional segue there by me, sending you over to Jose Reyes. And, <laughs> and you're right, the, the ceiling on Reyes is, is virtually non-existent. It's more a case of pencil him in, and you know, roll the dice somewhere else, or maybe roll a dice later on because you already have. A, a, if you want to go with one of the Alcides Escobars, the Marcus Amins of the world, you have someone there who's going to give you decent production. He's not going to hurt you as long as he stays healthy. 
So that, that I think, is the attraction of, of Jose Reyes. But, yeah, if you're looking for 20-plus homers and 40-plus steals, I would look somewhere else. He's, he's just not going to do it. Don't look past, though, in what looks to be a pretty good lineup in Toronto. He has a chance to steal an awful or to uh, score an awful lot of runs. So that, uh, that, that plays into it as well. Um, third base, I talked a little bit about Brett Lowry already. He is, of course, my sleeper over there. Who do you have as a sleeper at third base? Well, we are talking about the 2013 draft, correct? <laughs> uh, wait, let me check. Let me let me let me check the show notes. Uh, no, 2015, as a matter of fact. Go, go ahead. Well, I'm still rolling back the clock because I think Chris Davis has been ignored and he's sliding way down the draft ADPs. There's reason he was terrible last year. 196, right. I think it was, but the power was still there. And I see reasons for the bad year. I see that oblique injury that may have affected him. I see that he, in the past he'd been cleared to take some medication for attention deficit disorder. So I see reasons for that bad year. The springies looked good. You've got first base, third base eligibility. There's an obvious risk. Again, it's about where you're comfortable with that. But for me, if I can draft a player like Chris Davis, say the fifth round, and he's got proven first-round potential, it's it's a situation where I'm kind of comfortable with it. You might have to build your roster to accommodate his batting average. You know, in a couple drafts, I've paired him with Ben Revere to hopefully up that batting average a little bit. But I think people don't realize about Chris Davis is in the three previous years he'd hit in the 270 range. So the batting average doesn't have to be a big you know anchor on your team. He can hit for a passable average, and he has in the past. So I see reasons for a bounce back. We're not going to see 2013, even if I'm stuck there. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Chris Davis as well. And something to keep in mind with Chris Davis, you say, well, you're going to take a batting average hit, probably. Let's just say he's not going to get back to 275. But if your league uses OBP, and one very notable league that does, of course, is Tout Wars, if your league uses OBP, he is not nearly – the, the drag on your stats that he would be in a batting average league. Last year, his OBP was 300 at a 196 batting average. So he does reach base. So don't discount him too much. Again, check those league settings. And, of course, if your league uses OPS instead of batting average, that's a whole other deal. Ramp him up a couple of rounds because you know the power is going to be there. Can't say what he's going to hit as far as batting average, but the power is definitely going to be there. Um, well, that pretty much does it for the infield. Anybody, uh, who you got for, for bust, though, at third base? Well, you know, so often it's that breakout player that comes, as you say, from out of nowhere that goes back there. Josh Harrison, I just can't see him repeating what he did last year. You know, he's got some speed, so you're going to get some stolen bases, but the the batting average on balls in play last year was outrageous, and he's not going to repeat it. The power, he's got pop. You know, that's what you say about players who don't really have power. So, you know, could he be a useful utility player? Yeah, if you're drafting him as a Ben Zobrist, I can plug him in the outfield, second base, third base, fine. Just make sure you're not reaching and paying for, for 2014 stats because it's not going to happen. Yeah, agreed. Harrison did some things last year that were incredibly special, but again, over a short period of time, not a not a huge um, uh, history of this in his professional career. So, 
be very, very careful. Uh, he's he's not going terribly high in, in most drafts that I've been seeing, but drafting him in anticipation of a repeat from, from, uh, from last year is uh, – not probably not a good plan. Uh, my bust. Uh, I like the guy. The power is legit. Todd Frazier. Uh, first of all, Cincinnati looks like not such a good team this year. They will have Jay Bruce back, so that's a positive. He stole 20 bases last year. 319 games prior to last season, Todd Frazier had stolen 10 bases. Get it in my mind that he's going to steal 20 or even 15 bases again. He's also a 258 career hitter. So if you're looking at another 275, 280, you might be setting the bar too high. Like the player, but I think last year's stats in, in a couple of categories were an outliner. An outlier. If you're looking for 25-plus home runs, yeah, grab him by all means. If you're looking for 25 homers and 20 steals, I would not suggest drafting Frazier with those numbers in mind. Uh, Doug, any thoughts? Tend to agree. The batting average is going to is going to fall a little bit. It just it's just going to happen. That's who, that's who he is. I think maybe you need to look. This is one case where you might keep an eye on what he does in the spring training as far as how much he runs. Listen to what he says. Last year, spring, there were quotes from from the player that said he was going to be more aggressive on the basis. So if you see that he's running in spring training, I, you know I don't see a reason why he can't steal close to twenty bases again. So. I agree. There's going to be some regression. The question is, where does that regression meet the ADP? So I'm comfortable rostering him, and I don't think people are reaching too much. Just make sure you don't reach that far. He's he's not got this immense ceiling. I think last year is as good as it gets. Hopefully we're close to that this year. Right, and you know, the expectations is what it really boils down to, and, and I, I think Frazier is going to be a great source of power, but uh, expecting too much of anything else, uh, maybe not so much. Folks, again, you're listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson. With me is so-called fantasy experts co-founder, Doug Anderson. They call him the Roto Daddy. We have been opining about some fantasy baseball sleepers and busts for the upcoming season in hopes of helping you finalize your draft day preparations. Been some real nice insights so far from, from Doug's side of the table. He's agreed with me on some things, disagreed with me on others. That's good. Kind of goes back to what we talked about in the opening about some of the, uh, the disparate opinions at so-called fantasy experts.com uh, and why it's a, that's that's a really good thing because uh, we have some folks there who uh, who have their opinions and they have their players and they're not expre- afraid to uh, express those opinions and uh, that's kind of what we're doing right now. You're not going to find us agreeing on everything. Uh, I promise. To the outfield we go. Doug, who do you like for a sleeper in the outfield? Plenty of talent out there, but who is sitting out there that that maybe is going to outperform their draft day ADP? I've got three guys that I like that I think offer value at where they're being drafted. The first one is Ryan Braun. I'm not convinced he can get back to that first-round value, but he's sliding pretty far down a lot of drafts. The thumb is healthy, so I think there's a chance there. It's not a player I want to reach for, but where he's being drafted, I like it. We're talking third, fourth round in a lot of cases. At that point, I'm comfortable with what his worst-case scenario is and still that proven upside. Another player, I'm a little little surprised at how far he's fallen, J.D. Martinez. I think a lot of people, you know, he had the huge breakout towards the, not the early part of last year, but 
that first three months, huge breakout. And he went through some kind of doldrums in August. I think some people see him as one of those first-half wonders. You know what? He still hit 292 in the second half with good power. And that lineup is going to be a good lineup. So I like J.D. Martinez. He's not getting much respect so far in fantasy drafts. My final sleeper is Alex Rios. I was hoping he'd cool down in the spring training with all the home runs so he'd stay stay further down the ADP. Last year was a huge disappointment, but the Royals run like few other teams, and Alex Rios can steal bases. So if that power bounces back to you know 15 home runs, and I don't think that's unreasonable, how many stolen bases does Rios add to that? I think he's got that type of potential to go 15 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and hit for a decent batting average. So I like Rios as long as the the hype of spring training doesn't grow any more than it has. Yeah, Rios is one of those uh, what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of sleepers because sometimes people forget just how good this guy was two seasons ago. Had a bad year, and then it was, and I don't have his numbers in front of me, probably five, six seasons ago, he had another season that was just way off the board low, and everybody kind of discounted him then, and then all of a sudden here he is back again doing some some really remarkable things. And, and you make a good point. In Kansas City, he could be that guy again that steals you 30, 35 bases and, and hits 15, 18 home runs while keeping your batting average supported as well. So And at, at the, the level that he's going in a draft, yeah, absolutely a good guy to uh, to take a chance on. Speaking of which, got a couple of levels of outfield sleepers for you. First one is everybody knows about him because if, if there's such a thing as a non-sleeper because everybody has him on their sleeper list, this is the guy, Cole Calhoun from, uh, uh, from the Angels. Uh, he is, last year, good numbers. You look at what he did last year and it's, it's hey, it's really nice, uh, nice numbers. Problem is he played in only 127 games. We extrapolate the numbers out again. You're looking at 21 home runs, 71 RBIs. The ankle injury that he had, I'm wondering if it cut down on his steal attempts. So I, I think that he has a little bit more stolen base upside than people might think. 59 games at AAA back in 2013, he stole 10 bases. I don't think he can steal 30. I think he can steal 15 to 18 at the major league level along with 20 home runs and a batting average 275, 280 uh, is what I'm looking for as, uh, as being an expectation, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was above that. The other thing with Cole Calhoun, where he bats, he bats at the top of a lineup that looks to be a really, really good one in, uh, in Los Angeles. So this guy's hitting in front of the Mike Trouts, the Albert Pujols of the world. He is going to have an opportunity to score an awful lot of runs. So 100 runs – Plus, let's just say those those 20 home runs and 15 steals with a 280 batting average, you're looking at a guy that has a real good chance of outperforming his ADP. He won't come cheap, but as long as you're not overly reaching for him, I think you have a really good chance of returning that value with the possibility of uh, uh, even even more should he uh, over overachieve from what I'm predicting. Um, in the minor leagues, five minor league seasons, 320 batting average, 403 OBP. He knows how to get on base. So I really do see some great things ahead for um, Cole Calhoun. Second guy, going to go back to Arizona again, a guy that I saw in, in Arizona this past year and is just really impressed us. Tall, um, uh, seems kind of thin, 
but can absolutely fly. I'm talking about Dalton Pompey. Looks like he's going to be the starting center fielder in Toronto, although they're kind of bouncing him all over the place. He stole 43 bases, batted 317 with a 392 OBP across three minor league levels last year. He's only 22 years old. He's listed at 6'2", 195. He, he impressed me as being a little lighter than that when I saw him out in Arizona. And it, it seemed to me that if he grows into his frame, he has a real possibility of hitting those 12 to 15 home runs. Stolen bases, 35, 40 is the upside here. I, I, and, again, if he can win the leadoff spot, that's going to be a tall order in Toronto. But that lineup looks really impressive. And if he indeed can grab that leadoff spot, you're looking at a guy that could score 100, steal 40, hit 12 home runs, hit 275, 260, 275, and that's not going to hurt you at any level. He's been bouncing around the outfield. Uh, he's played some center. He's played some left. But uh, I think he's going to settle in center, and he is going almost at number 300 in ADP. Uh, another guy that as the draft is winding down and you're looking at the last few names on the board, Dalton Pompey, if you can grab him, you have an opportunity for a very, very special player to develop this year. Any uh, any thoughts on Pompey? No, I do like Pompey. I think uh, he's what Anthony Ghost was supposed to be. You know, I think <laughs> Pompey can hit for a better average eventually than Ghost. He's got the same type of speed. And you're right, he, he, he plays lighter than the numbers he just listed. So I have had a chance to see some video on him, and I I do like his skills, and I think the injury to Michael Saunders in left field, Saunders is bouncing back quickly from reports, but I think if Saunders doesn't start the year, it really kind of helps open up center field for Pompey. So I do like him. I'm going to, since you set this up, we're like professionals with these segues, you know. You set me up for my bus. Cole Calhoun. <laughs> it's not that I don't like Cole Calhoun. He's a perfectly usable player. He's going to contribute across the board at lower levels. But we're talking about Cole Calhoun going as the 27th outfielder off the board. Players going at or around that level or after Jay Bruce, Alex Gordon, Jorge Soler, J.D. Martinez, Mark Trumbo. I think you're going to see a ton of runs scored from Calhoun. But other than that, I think it's just lower-level contribution. He's a good player again, but there's a lot of players beneath him in the ADP that I'd rather have. Perfectly understandable. And if it's one of those things where if you buy in on a player, then then grab it. And if you're not buying in on, on the continued progression, the development, then maybe you're not buying. And, and there's some people that think that Calhoun has hit his ceiling, which may may very well be. I saw some things happen last year. That leads me to believe that uh, maybe not so much. If if uh, if I can, real quick, let me back up. You mentioned Anthony Ghosh. Uh, what do you think of him as a sleeper this year? <sighs> I'm not it's sure. Not I'm not sure Rajay. I'm not sure Rajay Davis is going to get the at bats over there. Not all no, Rajay the Davis. Anyway. Rajay Davis's defense is is pretty horrid. So I think Ghost has has to be the favorite in center field for the most of the at bats. I'm not sure that's a good thing. You know, a yeah. ghost is not going to hit for average. He's got a little bit of pop. I don't think he's got anything you'd call power. But he's going to hit 240s or below, I think. Pitchers are going to expose him for, for that. He's going to give you some steals. And if you get them late enough, I suppose there's value there. But I don't like drafting steals, guys, who don't at least help me in batting average. And so I'm not a big fan of ghosts. You know, some people are. And there's an opportunity. 
if he can somehow find a way to get the batting average up to a more a 260 level even, I'd be a lot more on board. But honestly, I'm not a big fan, and I, I, he won't be on any of my lineups. Did, did you just say that you don't like drafting steals guys who don't help you anywhere else? You are correct for the most part. <clears throat> may, may I proceed to my bust now, uh, Mr. Segway Master? <laughs> you got it. Move forward. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, one more Arizona reference. Uh, uh, probably the fastest guy I've ever seen uh, play baseball. I, I don't think I've ever seen the likes of Billy Hamilton before. Saw him a couple of years ago and just changes the game. Comes into the box and there's just uh, – it's like uh, Giancarlo Stanton coming up to the plate. It's just there's, a, there's an electricity in the air when Billy Hamilton is up there because you know he puts the ball in play you really need to get rid of the baseball because this young man can absolutely fly. Um, I'm not doubting the speed. What I'm doubting is his ability to hit major league. I haven't seen that yet. His last year at AAA, 123 games, he hit 256. His uh, OBP, since he's been above, I think it's high A, his OBP has steadily dropped. And I'm wondering if pitchers just all of a sudden decided to just challenge this guy and and make him hit, uh, make him hit. And if that's the case, he's not responded. Uh, last year in the second half, he, he got off to a really nice start, but his walk rate in the majors last year, 5.6%. And in the second half, of course, he batted only 200 and he stole 18 bases in 60 games. I'm just as much as I would love to say I'm a Billy Hamilton believer, I I just can't until he shows me that he can hit major league pitching. He is just so much fun to watch. I just wish I had the opportunity to watch him run the bases more. But I, I do not see good things coming for Billy Hamilton this year. Any thoughts, Doug? Oh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, it's nice to end on an agreement as far as the outfielders. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have to be able to hit. Last year, people, oh, he's going to score 100 and some runs and – First of all, you have to get on base to score runs. 292 on base percentage. And the second half, it tells me that he didn't make adjustments. Major League pitchers did. They figured out he couldn't hit. Uh, there's an argument that value is value, and his 50-plus stolen bases he's probably going to put up have value. But you know what? I don't need to finish first in the stolen bases category. I'm perfectly fine finishing second or third. Billy Hamilton might win you that, that you know category almost on his own. I don't need to finish first. I don't need the pain of everything else he does. So let's watch him on TV and enjoy what he does, but he's not going to be on my fantasy team. Right. Uh, Anybody else you have for a bust in the outfield? You know, I think with the outfield, there's just so much, you know, so many options. It's similar to starting pitching that it's just about where they're being drafted. And I think some people that are, that are probably being reached on, so I don't know that they're they're going to bust totally. But Yaziel Puig, you know, he's going as a seventh outfielder. He's obviously a very good player, can hit for average, but the power's not there yet. Does he have the pitch chance? Sure, but are you going to draft him as the twentieth player off the board? I'm not. Um, <laughs> I always go back to Bryce Harper. This might be the year where Bryce Harper is a little <laughs> closer to where his ADP is, and you know, but. Is Bryce Harper still going to run at this point in his career? A lot of his value is tied to he's supposed to be a, a 20 stolen base threat, but the injuries, I don't know if he's going to run. He's not going to hit higher than 270, 280. You know, that's top side. I think there's a lot of downside in batting average. So 
basically you're banking on huge power potential, which he's got, but there's a lot of questions, and I still think he's going too early. We're talking about at ADP at 34, so you're talking about in the third round. It's fair, and I, I don't have a huge problem with that, but a lot of people are still reaching into that second round. Right. And and especially if you're talking late with late-round power sources, and a couple guys we, we're not going to cover in depth, but certainly need to be on your radar screen. We're looking at uh, ADPs of 225 and 247, respectively, is uh, Avisail Garcia from the White Sox and Oswaldo Garcia from the Twins. Both of these guys have 20, 25 home run potential, and in Garcia's case, he could steal a dozen to 15 bases. So the power is out there. Again, do the research and be ready to, to grab these guys at a bargain price if you missed out on power in the early going, especially if your league plays three outfielders. There are an awful lot of late-round values out there waiting for the picking. Doug, we have made it through the position players. Uh, what do you say next week we go for the uh, pitching breakdown? How's that sound to you? I, you know, after my uh, my article the other day about 43 late-round pitchers that could help, I might have a few sleep in that area. <laughs> Well, that sounds like a good plan. We're going to put that down for uh, next week. Now, for this week, uh, what do you think, Doug? Anything else to add with what we've talked about? Well, you know, next week, I'm not sure. We, we might have to do another revised schedule. I will be at the Tout Wars X draft, which is going to be a pretty oh. cool experience. So I get to go to New York and uh, draft with the big boys. For those of you who don't know what the Tout Wars X draft is, it's going through Ron Chandler's Chandler Park. It's kind of a hybrid between season-long leagues and daily leagues. Basically, Chandler Park is you play month-long leagues at a time, and you you use uh, salary caps or salary. It's a salary cap game. You draft players with those those salaries. In the regular Chandler Park, you different owners can have the same player. With the Tout Wars X League. We're going to do a draft, and nobody can have the same player. So if regular Chandler Park is like putting together a puzzle, the Tout Wars X League is going to be like putting together a puzzle while somebody else is stealing your pieces. So it's going to be a real neat experience, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think this is the first year for Tout Wars X, and obviously a tremendous honor to be asked to compete at that level with uh, the experts that are involved in that league. So, uh, Doug, congratulations. That's, uh, that's a tremendous accomplishment and, and again, a, 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 a very wonderful honor to be, to be asked to go. So, uh, and plus, I, I did feed you another absolutely perfect segue there. So it's, it's, it's been kind of like a segue fest today, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll be looking for a segue when you send me your, uh, your advice and information for the Chandler Park because I'm going to need some help there. Yeah, Chandler Park was a fun concept. I, I did play last year in the monthly leagues, and it, it's, it's a, an interesting concept because it takes some of the elements of the daily games, some of the elements of the season-long roto, and combines them. And, of course, with a, with a salary cap format, too. So there's an awful lot of pieces in play there. And the strategies can vary a little bit, but it's, a, it's quite a fun concept and and i really enjoyed playing over there and i'm, I'm i think i'm probably going to get uh, get involved in a couple more of his leagues this year it's uh it was quite entertaining anything else for this week doug before we sign off no i'm just ready to start seeing some more baseball and uh, excited that we can stop hearing about everybody being in the best shape of their lives and see if any of this this <laughs> hype is actually going to play out 
Yep, absolutely. And uh, some great baseball to be seen over the next couple of weeks before the season starts and an awful lot of fantasy drafts. And we hope that we helped you out a little bit with some of the -the off-the-radar players that you might want to look for or that you might want to avoid this year. Well, that will just about do it for this week's episode of the Sunday Night Sandlot. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to see you again next week. We will be talking pitchers then. Sleepers and busts will be the topic of the day. Until then, for Doug Anderson, this is your host, Buck Davidson, saying somebody start the team bus and cue the postgame show. This one's in the history books. We'll see you next week, everybody. Yeah.